More Suns betting odds. Where do they stack up in the regular season? How many games will they win? Why Vegas has it wrong? Plus, takeaways from a new in-depth Monty Williams interview right after this on Locked On Phoenix Suns. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. I'm your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation, as well as Dime Magazine. Follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns. And we are back today here on a Tuesday edition of the Locked On Phoenix Suns podcast, talking Monty Williams, talking Suns regular season betting odds, and making our way through this regular season, if you or this offseason rather. If you have not already, please subscribe to the show on whatever platform you are listening on, Spotify, Apple, whatever it may be, as well as our brand new Locked On Suns YouTube page. That's right. If you're just now joining the show, did not know we are on video. It is YouTube, of course, dot com slash Locked On Suns. Check us out. Subscribe, comment, like the video, write a review of our channel on whatever platform you're listening on. All of it is much appreciated. But another off-season edition, as I said, the news keeps coming. Odds makers doing us a favor and Sam Amick of The Athletic doing us a big favor here on a Tuesday deep in August, but we are not going anywhere again. Daily show here all the way through the month of August and as far into September as I can get, but I promise you I will take some breaks. First though, before we get too deep into it, folks, today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Okay, starting off here, NBA season win totals, courtesy of our pals over at Bet Online, And it's a running trend, and it's not just because I am trying to um, make content out of it. It is really truly surprising to me that the odds makers, even our friends at Bet Online, who are a wonderful and, and, and tireless sponsor of this show, are underrating the Suns. Really, every step of the way so far, we saw them fall behind the Warriors in the Western Conference um, champion odds. We've seen the MVP odds. Actually, I made the case they overvalued Devin Booker, but I thought it was peculiar that they had him even with Chris Paul. That didn't make a ton of sense to me. So always some interesting things to chew on. But in this case, I think it's hard to say anything but that the Suns are just straight up undervalued here. They're over under. Again, this is Regular season win totals, remember this regular season is going to be a normal 82 games and the Suns over under is 51 and a half. Now, I will say, I think that bet online here is is very balanced in its in its projections. So I think it's sort of estimating for the fact that there's going to be some parity as there has been in recent years. The Warriors dynasty is not here anymore. There is not necessarily one just complete juggernaut of a team. So the Suns are even with the Utah Jazz, 51 and a half wins, and behind only the Lakers, who are at 52.5. So I will say I think the Suns are being undervalued, but I don't think that the West in general 
is going to have a team that runs away with it. I think like we saw this past season, the standings will go down to the final weeks of the year. I think there will be some uh, polit- politicking, some, uh, some, some strategizing that goes on in terms of who wants to play whom. And I expect the Suns to be right there in the mix for a top three seed. So all of that part seems pretty reasonable to me. But a, a couple other th- interesting things before I really get into what I think the Suns, ex- what, we, what sh- we should expect from the Suns from a regular season win perspective. We talked about the schedule in the past. We talked about um, their depth. So I'll get into all of that and sort of how it can combine here and why I think you're getting the obvious impression that I'm a big fan of the over. I want to hit some of the other stuff because aside from the West, you have Brooklyn. Brooklyn clearly leading the pack here at 55.5 wins. And that's very high. I mean, just considering the fact that you had so many injuries with that squad, some of which, you know, I don't think it'll be the same injuries that linger, but it's a point I made yesterday with Brandon talking about the standings and contenders and all that stuff. The Nets should not be seen as last year being such a fluke in terms of, you know, the injuries. I think this is a team that has injury-prone players and is built upon older players and just I don't necessarily see them as a regular season juggernaut. It's going to bring me to the point later on about this regular season and why things are going to continue to be a little bit uh, sideways. But if you just multiply out, the the Nets last season had a 67% winning percentage. Now, of course, the beginning of the year, they had James, uh, they did not have James Harden. They make the trade, they get him. He plays like an MVP for a couple of months and they have Kyrie and KD down. Nobody really is ever to get able to get comfortable. The three of those guys hardly ever play. We know the whole thing. If you multiply out their 67% winning percentage by 82, that would put you at 54.9 wins. So cons- almost a full win lower than this bet online projection of 55.5. Similarly, if you look at the Bucks, who had a 64% winning percentage, they're projected to win in by the the line here from Bet Online 54.5. So very clearly ahead of the Western Conference pack and Bet Online very much showing that they are putting Brooklyn and Milwaukee as the decisive favorites to run away with things in the regular season. You have the Lakers a little bit below, then there's the Suns and the Jazz, and then of course um, the Sixers are also there at 51 and a half. So again, pretty obvious parity that these betting lines are showing. They're estimating that Brooklyn having a full training camp, health, more hardened consistency and continuity is going to put them at just this incredible pace. I'm not so sure. Milwaukee, I don't quite know what they have to play for in the regular season. They're not a very deep team. I could see them, like we saw last year, falling off a bit. And I think that brings us to the next tier of teams. I actually do think the Lakers will be a pretty good regular season team because I think that's something you can definitely count on a Russell Westbrook to help you with. They are younger. They're less liable to be hurt. Those things, I actually do think the Lakers can protect themselves from injuries because of that youth and depth a little bit better. They have a third star who can counter some of those bench minutes for LeBron, for Anthony Davis, and kind of eat innings in that way. So I think the Lakers will be. But it brings me to this third tier of teams, which is the younger improving groups. So you have the Sixers, you have the Suns, and you have the Jazz. I think all fit into this. They're all projected for 51 and a half wins. And I think I would probably feel pretty comfortable hitting the over on all three 
of those teams in an 82-game season because, A, I think they're just really good, and 52 wins, even if that was all they hit as the over, you know, you know, great teams are way better than 52 wins, right? So that's the first thing. But I also think setting that aside and just thinking bigger picture here, the regular season this this year and into the future as a continuation of what we saw last season, I think more and more and more is going to benefit younger groups, groups that uh, want to build chemistry. And there is this dying breed of the Lakers the Suns have Chris Paul, who thinks about things this way. Some of these older, aging players, who I think the Heat guys in Lowry, and maybe not so much Butler, um, to some extent. But I think the combined force of that team, even with the fact that they are a little bit older, I think that they have a mentality and a toughness where they're going to play when they can. And so I think you have that group, you have the youth, and then you have the sort of something to prove group. And those three types of teams are going to go out in the regular season and win a lot of games. Now, the Jazz don't necessarily have something to prove in the regular season. They've been great for years and years in the regular season, but they are younger. They are deep. They will just be able to do this. They have a recipe to win regular season games. I think the Suns are in a similar way where they don't necessarily have anything to prove this season, but they are young. They did add depth. And they have Chris Paul, who famously in in Oklahoma City and elsewhere has refused to rest, right? I think the Sixers still very much feel like they have something to prove, whether it is with Ben Simmons or in a new iteration of their team. So that's where I would be looking. And I think the Suns, it's not even about, oh, the Suns are being disrespected. I really could care less about that type of thing when it comes to just betting odds. I don't think it's that important. But I think that they're in this group where... They have Chris Paul, who's going to want to play. They have these young players who are going to improve. They have depth. I just don't see why in a season where last year they were 51 and 21 in a 72 game season, why they would be 51 and 31 in an 82 game regular season this year. I just can't put together a scenario unless there is a major injury to this team, which is possible, but not very likely to bet on that things would not be where they were, if not even a better pace in the regular season last year or around the same. I just, to drop off that considerably from a 71% winning percentage down to, you know, 56, 57, that is, um, or I'm sorry, 66, 67 is just hard for me to fathom. I guess a Chris Paul injury would be the number one thing. I don't really see the point in betting on that. I think everything else is pointing to the Suns taking a step forward, being more cohesive, deeper, and better in the regular season at the very least come next season. So once again, make, uh, I guess, your uh, season even more enjoyable. These beds, these betting odds continue to give us a little bit more to chew on here as the sun season comes closer. Uh, we'll talk about Monty Williams' big interview in The Athletic with Sam Amick. Two big takeaways. One, we'll start off with Monty Williams' ability to relate to players and how it really looks in 2021 for an NBA coach to be able to do that. And as unlikely as it is, why Monty Williams is the type who has been able to get through to guys in his second go-round as an NBA head coach. First, though, a quick word from Sweatblock. Sweatblock is the little secret to confidence right in your back pocket. Whether you have a big presentation, maybe a first date, maybe you're meeting somebody for the first time who you haven't seen in years. Sweatblock solves the problems for you that can sometimes arise. You know what I'm talking about. Unwanted 
moisture unwanted odor that can stem from sweat. Everybody gets that, everybody deals with it, and it can happen at the worst possible time. Sweat Block solves that problem for you in a pinch. Doctor created, doctor recommended, and works up to seven days per use. This thing has been tested on firefighters. It's been a bestseller on Amazon for 10 years running, over 10 years, plus over 13,000 reviews on Amazon. So it is tested, it is loved, and it really, really works. Again, it's a little secret to confidence right in your back pocket. It can fit in any type of toiletry bag, office bag, work bag, whatever it might be, which allows you to wear whatever you want to wear and not worry one bit. So whether it is that big presentation, a first date, or just something important going on in your life, you don't want to have to worry. If you or someone you love deals with this type of thing, and trust me, we all really do, you're going to want to check Sweatblock out. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on at sweatblock.com for 20% off your next order, or check them out at Amazon and CVS. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag. Betonline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Whether that is the NFL or anything else going on, BetOnline has you covered. And as the as football kicks in to high gear, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the internet's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to make an account today to receive your one hundred percent welcome bonus with the promo code Locked On. And as opening day approaches in the NFL, make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Bucks and the Dallas Cowboys. And even if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to twenty five dollars for new customers only when you sign up using the promo code NFL100. So tons of opportunities to get involved in here on Bet Online. It is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, as well as your favorite Vegas casino game. So don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 football season at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, Monty Williams giving a big interview, wide-ranging interview at The Athletic with Sam Amick and couple takeaways for you guys. First off is going to be the relationships with players. And it's something that, that Monty's talked about, sort of been forced to talk about, I think, forced to answer for a little bit since his uh, since he took the job in Phoenix, but especially since the Suns were so good this past season. I think a lot of people looked at it and said, well, he failed in, in New Orleans and was very open about his sort of embarrassment about how that situation ended, his disappointment in himself. How did he go ahead and become um, such an accomplished coach so quickly here in his second stint doing this in the NBA? But I also, in the second segment here, or the last segment here, want to get to um, just the ability that he has to sort of lead the Suns into whatever it is that comes next, because I think that is pretty interesting in and of itself. And, you know, it's something we've been touching on here and there as we get through the regular season into the playoffs and, and everything else. But now, especially, you know, having to overcome this pretty, uh, it can really screw with people to have to go through a loss like this. So we'll get into all of that as well. Um, but let's start with the relationships with players, the ability to relate to players, because I think you look at, um, you look at Monty Williams and, it doesn't seem like a coach who would be effective in 2021. I think a lot's been written, whether you talk about diversity and 
you know, who is getting these jobs, who is getting interviewed for these jobs, who is getting groomed to have these jobs. I think we've come a long way. I think it was six of seven or maybe seven of eight head coaches who were hired this offseason in the NBA were coaches of color, which is awesome. But there's also the who, the, the what is the makeup of these people. Obviously, just a former coach or just, you know, a minority candidate. None of those things in and of themselves make a coach equipped to lead a team, especially a young team, especially a modern team, a star-laden team. It's very difficult. A lot of people get chewed up and spit out by this job. Somebody who is mentioned in the athletic piece here is Mark Jackson, who, you know, similarly was, you know, very spiritual, very um, interpersonal in the way that he led and it did not go well for him. And I, I'm just interested in that dynamic here and something that not a lot of people have really ever asked Monty about, at least this this time in Phoenix. So I, I really appreciate Sam asked the question. And I wanted to read one section, but it's, it, it's very much worth reading for anybody who has a subscription. But here's the quote. So Monty said, but I think he, and, and this is about Mark Jackson, he and I are both aware enough that ultimately we have a job to do, and that's coaching. You know what I'm saying? And the foundation for our coaching is serving, is loving people, but I'd be the first to admit there are times where if you make a comment or if you say something, it can come off a different way, and that's where it's just hard. Uh, it's not anything that you can correct in the moment. It's always like after it happens, man, did I say that the right way? I hope I didn't offend whoever I'm talking to or whoever I'm around. But at the end of the day, for me, as I coach and try to teach and build a program, for me, it's always serve, love, and that's it. And first of all, I just don't think you hear a lot of conversation about religion in sports. Um, I think despite the fact that I, obviously this is America and there's a lot of religious people and it's a foundation for a lot of things about our country, it, it gets swept under the rug. And I think it's just not wanting to rub, again, like Monty's saying, to rub people the wrong way. But I think it's doubly hard because the reality is I'm sure a lot of these young players are not necessarily devout religious people. Now, I know, you know, Cam Johnson is, um, and there are definitely people on this team who have talked about that, but I think it's fair to say Monty has that as part of his life in a way more um, just consistent part than a lot of young guys coming right out of college trying to make their way. I mean, it gets a lot of people when they're young lose sight of that. So the fact that he's able to mesh that and sort of overcome the failures of his past is very interesting, but I think part of it is, as we learn in this piece, it's that those failures were one and the same with his struggle to figure out how to manage his um, worldview as a religious person, as a spiritual man, with what it was going to be for him to lead people, to be a coach, to be a manager of personalities and people and humans and emotions and 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 basketball players. And so it's really, really fascinating insight into who he is. And again, to circle back to what it means to be a sort of leader and a coach and a and an NBA um, person in 2021, it's a lot. These people are enormously famous. Increasingly, they're enormously influential. I mean, the amount of influence that Chris Paul has in sports, in, in basketball, in business is extraordinary. And Devin Booker is on his way there. You have DeAndre Ayton, who is you know, in his own deals with Puma and representing a nation. And it's a very, very complicated and convoluted set of things you have to deal with. And it's no surprise that you see people like Nate Bjorkren in Indiana as an example, or Earl Watson, for example, very different, could not be more different in terms of their backgrounds and their 
race and their upbringing and their histories and former player versus not a you know former NBA player, all these different things. And both of them, in addition to many, many NBA coaches, they just don't get the mix right. And so I think you have to be great at it. You have to be a great basketball mind. I, I don't buy the fact that there are just people who go out there and manage personalities, get along with their star players and don't have to worry about the, the adjustments and the management of the basketball stuff. It's just, it's not something that I buy. I think the best coaches, the most successful coaches in this league, Eric Spolstra, um, Nick Nurse, Ty Lu, these are people who are excellent tacticians in addition to the other stuff, but the other stuff very much matters. And I think the reason that Monty Williams is able to do that, he's got the X's and O's down. I think the reason he's able to do this other stuff, aside from the religion, aside from the adjustments, the overcoming of failure, the loss that he's suffered uh, in his life, I think it's just the perspective that all of that has given him is really what it is. He comes across as a person who's genuinely at peace, who is genuinely um, thoughtful and understands what his role is. There's a lot of comments in here about how appreciative Monty is to just have the small talk, to just have the BSing. And I think that a person who can find a way, despite the overwhelming desire to win and be great and mold players and be a leader and earn the respect, the, the ability to look through that and just appreciate the tiny moments, look, I can't even claim that I have that. Nobody really um, has that. I'm sure it's something Monty struggles with, the, but, but having that as a priority in your coaching to me, that speaks to an ability to, he can relate to anybody. And that's a lot of what Sam gets at in this piece, in this interview that Monty speaks to is, you have to be able to, to relate to James Jones, to Robert Sarver, to you know the, the, the PayPal dudes who you got to meet with because they're a jersey sponsor, to you know the 15th man, Tyshawn Alexander, and Chris Paul. Like You have to be able to do all of it with a good attitude, with a good temperament, with a genuine amount of care to go ahead and connect with those players. And so I think um, you just, the more you read about Monty, the more he think, the more you hear him talk and, and, and read him talk about the level of consideration he puts into all of that, it just to me feels like a well-rounded person, a thoughtful person, somebody who gets what the job is right now and look, is a better fit here, better coach for this team in this situation in this place than I think we ever could have even expected despite how optimistic many of us were back then. So um, I want to talk about a little bit of that in, in regard to um, the sort of coming, getting over the hump of losing in the finals, but also some comments that Monty made about how next season will shape up, particularly when it comes to the free agency of Chris Paul. We'll do all of that right after a quick break and a word from Rock Auto, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models across the car landscape. It's pretty difficult even to know what car you have, frankly. I think people um, don't always even know um, literally what is my car, let alone how to find the right part. Because you walk into a dealership, you walk into a retail store, you tell them what you got, you tell them which part you need, what broke, what needs repairing, what needs replacing, and you can't count on them to give you a straight story. It's going to be this much money for bulk versus single versus, oh, do you have a license, uh, mechanic license? Do you not? Oh, we don't have a discount for you. We have this coupon. It doesn't apply. You've all been there. It is an endless nightmare. And Rock Auto solves the entire thing. That's really not even an exaggeration. Locked on, Suns uh, proven. I have ordered the um, 
visor for the driver's side of my car to replace that after it broke. It just cracked off. I needed it. I got it immediately from Rock Auto with no hassle. So why spend 30, 50, even 100% more on the same exact part that you might want to buy at a dealership or a store when you could get it at Rock Auto and save all that money in addition to time. They don't require a subscription or even a login to get on. You just type in the car that you have, scroll down to the part that you need and click purchase and it'll be at your door within days. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Okay, so closing out here with the um, a couple extra thoughts from that last section just in terms of getting over the hump in the finals. That mentality, that that clearness of thought, of, of purpose. First of all, I don't, I, I just want to add because it's back in the news a little bit with this interview. The comments to the Bucks within the Bucks locker room were not out of line. Read the telling of it from both Giannis' perspective in his interview with Malika Andrews, as well as in this interview, and you will see it was quick, it was respectful, it was mutual, everybody was on the same page, and I think everybody involved in it will appreciate that sports doesn't have to be nonsense, rah-rah, man-punch-man, whatever. It's not like that. It doesn't need to be like that. And Amin Al-Hassan doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, I just, I have to, I had to say it. It bothered me. I just think when people say things for takes, it's unnecessary and doesn't need to be seen that way. And I think it speaks to, I think, why you have to feel pretty good about his ability, Monty's ability to um, have a sense of the moment. He had a sense of the moment when he's sitting choked up, disappointed and, and sad about losing out on the championship. And I think that's honesty. I think it's honest to go into a locker room and say that you appreciated the challenge of competing and you're happy for your opponent. And I think it's honesty, what we will hear throughout September and October as this team gets back ready for the next season to be purposeful and very aggressive about going out there and trying to get where you could not get last time. It's all within reason. There's no disingenuousness to it. And uh, I don't think any of it was for the cameras. Similarly, some comments here in this interview with with Monty Williams and Sam Amick about uh, some other things that were um, not for the cameras to maybe a fault, which was Chris Paul's injury. Um, Monty speculated that it was when Patrick Beverly ran into to Chris and then Chris had to catch himself on the ground, Beverly doing this insane pantomiming and whatever, you'll all remember it, home game in the Western Conference Finals. They talked to Chris Paul, apparently, about maybe coming out and, and letting folks know what he was dealing with. He refused, and I thought it was interesting to see sort of the push and pull um, of between Monty sort of wanting Chris Paul to go out there and say something versus Chris Paul not wanting to. Um, he said it had a huge impact on our young guys. See a guy who has accomplished everything except, you know, winning a title is out there fighting his tail off every night and not willing to come out of the game. I'm sure it had a huge impact on all of our young players. Um, fast forward to free agency and that trust and that relationship and that camaraderie, I think played a part. I think we can obviously see that in some of the money where the third year being partially guaranteed, fourth year being non-guaranteed. That's a very team-friendly deal. Um, Monty, I want to read his 
specific comments here, but was not really worried at any point about not getting Chris back here. I think that's interesting as well. Monty said, we didn't want to lose him. That was always at the top of our minds, but we also respected the fact that he had earned the right to be a free agent and anything could happen, even though in my mind, I wouldn't say I knew he was coming back, but I did feel like there was a level of comfort comfort in our program. I think he and I have a level of trust that we both know is not always like that in other places. And Monty goes on to say, he didn't really talk about Chris because he doesn't want to get in their head about I'm your coach, but now I'm trying to convince you about how you should live your life, basically. I get that, and that it was really James Jones and Devin Booker who were in, in touch with Chris Paul throughout the process. All of this is to say, to me, you got to look at the Chris Paul thing. The fact that it was never really in doubt, well, you know, the team-friendly contract, that can be a, a diff- series of different factors. That can be the salary cap that other teams space, that other teams may or may not have. That can be you know, proximity to LA where his family is. There's a lot of things that go into that. I'm not going to give all of the credit to Monty Williams or any one person in general, but it, it can be treated as evidence that this is a place that is comfortable and, and exciting and th- uh, feels competitive to the people who are a part of it, who want to go out there and be part of doing this again next season. And I think you see that in Monty's ability to adjust and adapt and be a new, a better coach Guy's willingness to buy into that, guy's willingness to want to come back to it, and the chances of, you know, the the burning purpose that they're all going to feel to get out there and make it happen in round two here in their second go around together. So it's all it's all sort of of a piece. And I think that is what I, I just keep coming back to with this offseason. I'm I'm sure I'm repeating myself to many of you who have listened every single day here as the season has wound down and we've gotten our way into the offseason, but It really is the inevitable feeling that I keep coming back to with all of these interviews and stories and talking points that have come up in regard to the Suns is there is at least an identity here. There is at least a a passion and a coherence to what's going on that comes from James Jones and Monty Williams that trickles down to the players that is, is evident in the way that they talk and act. And you just have to feel pretty good about that part because it does matter. I think about the Spurs after the Ray Allen shot and the way that 2015 was just such a singular purpose for them. I don't expect that they don't they don't have the Suns don't have Tim Duncan or Kawhi Leonard, but I do think that there is going to be a very strong, passionate desire to come out here and do something and everything we're hearing from everybody involved indicates that that is purpose number 1, goal number 1 and they have people at the top of this thing who are going to be able to bring that about, in in my opinion. So um, I just think you read this interview and you can't help but feel really optimistic and feel very comfortable with what's in place. It's very difficult and uh, an uncomfortable feeling, I think, to have as, as a Suns fan and follower. However, I think I'm not exaggerating when I say it, that it is uh, nevertheless true. So we'll see what comes of it. We'll see what happens. Obviously, there's a long way to go before next June when this thing would be decided, but um, I'm excited to see how this comes together, what it looks like as they vie for a return trip to the finals and a a ring that they could not get before. Okay. Rest of the week, guys, we got Kevin Ray. We got sweet car coming up and uh, whatever news comes our way. I will obviously be right here to cover again, the only daily Phoenix suns podcast subscribe wherever you get to podcasts, subscribe here on the YouTube channel down below as we get to 1000 subscribers, which is very feasible. We're over a quarter of the way there, I believe, already. Kelly Oubre Jr. bobblehead could be yours. I will mail it. I have listeners who can tell you. I do send these things. I've given away a shirt. I've given away a towel. 
It's only just the beginning. I got more giveaways to come. So if you'll allow me to uh, bribe you in that way, I will obviously do so. Enjoy your Tuesday, folks. I will talk to you tomorrow.